0: Welcome to episode 889 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 889 of IM Talk with coach John Newsom and Bevan
1: James Oz. How you going mate? I'm pretty good Bevan, how about yourself? Oh, on top of the world, you're looking nice and bright today. Stylish new I am Talk kit. He's, looking, he's, got, he's got the high vis, he could be
0: working in construction.
1: I know the little fluoro strip on the back. My car's getting me. Watch
0: out for the ladies. The ladies love the construction workers. Do they, <laughs> talk about do the- they just? <laughs> oh, some do. <laughs> but they talk about the high-vis guys. Yeah. Because nowadays, c- construction has to have high-vis. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they talk about that. So you, if you're a single man, they'll be lining up.
1: I'm Talkers proudly brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. Uh, first of all, we've got Nicholas Hitch-Pocock. John Weir-Inter. Love it. And Hamish, I never hit the wall. In this week's show we've got some news, we've got a hot topic, we've got age group brothers of the week and we've we'll got an interview. We're talking to Scott Tindall who's a performance nutritionist, we've had him on the show once before and we're going to be talking a bit around bone health. Mm, that's a really important subject, we're going to the week
0: questions and answers at the end. Okay the big race that happened over the weekend uh, was the World 70.3 Championship, we'll talk about kind of the, the presentation of it but let's talk about the race first we'll dig into the females. Now John, dojo domination.
1: Crushing, Never in doubt, really. The only thing that's stopping Taylor Nib over 70.3 distance is extreme weather conditions, explosions. uh, Does she explode Well, she did last year. She had one race where she detonated a bit on the run but it was about 40 bloody degrees okay, and well, she, she was coming off an injury so uh let's not be too harsh on her she's still pretty young but yeah it was if, if you were just watching this race to see who won it it would have been pretty bloody boring because uh she pulled away after the swim um she was second out of the swim and then uh imogene simons did manage to ride with her for a little bit and then it was uh one-way traffic and she just kept pulling away and then put in a steady run didn't need to run that quick but still had the fourth fastest run of the day to win by four minutes it's a complete performance
0: isn't it like you know second in the swim first in the bike fourth in the run and arguably probably could have gone a bit faster because she had a buffer what a what
1: an athlete yeah and she's you know that run split against people like Emma Pallant-Brown who is one of the best runners in the sport and she's only you yeah, 10 seconds behind that. Uh, she could have run a lot quicker. So yeah, I think she is unbeatable over this distance uh, and is very good Olympic distance. Um, and... and I think the old me would have probably switched off going, "Yeah, the wind's all over. But I was fascinated by the, the race for second place because there was um, three athletes really in it. Uh, there was a couple of others that came off the bike in the second group. But Imogene Simons was second off the bike and she had a nice buffer to the sort of the main group which had Paula Finlay and Emma brown and Daniela Reef and a few others in there. Um, and it was a case of could Imogene Simons hang on for second? Um and who was going to take the other spot on the podium? And no, sort of surprisingly, Cat Matthews is a fantastic athlete. Um, but you would have picked Emma Pallant Brown to come through and take it in second, but she didn't. Um, and Cat Matthews had one of the fastest runs, was well, second fastest run of the day and just hung tough all the way through. And she did catch Imogene Simons towards the end. Um, so, yeah, the top six. Yeah, I had Taylor Nibb, Kat Matthews, Imogen Simons, Emma Pallant-Brown, Paula Finlay and Laura Phillip. Not particularly surprising. Um, Although
0: the one you're saying is Daniela wasn't there. Yeah. and she's Like she got, well she got ninth, she but got you'd ninth. expect her to be up. The pointy end.
1: Yeah, you would expect her in normal circumstances probably to get second place. Um, you would say, you know, she'll go and annihilate people on the bike a bit like Taylor Nip did, and then put on a, a run that matches most of the others. But she was clearly on an off day, and we see that with her now. She's either on or off. When she's on, uh, she is killing it. When she's off, she's either really crap or um, this was crap. By her standards. Yeah. But, you know, she still finished ninth at the World Champs. How many of these athletes are
0: not going to Kona? So you've got, obviously, Taylor Lim's not. Like, are there many other short courses that will not be
1: contenders? Uh, yeah, I'd say there's a lot of that. If they're out of that top 10, you'd go, Kat Mathis would be going, Laura Phillip would be going, I don't think Emma Jean Simons would be going. Um, Pellet Brown? Uh, no, no, she doesn't do long course. Uh, so three out of the top 10, I'd say, I don't know much about Anne Rushman, but three or four out of the top 10. Yeah, so not not a great deal.
0: Quite crazy when you think about it, isn't it?
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, but you know. Were you, were you dif- looking dif- at Nib before the Olympics? Uh, p- possibly the win, um, it just depends. If it comes down to running race, still got a good chance for a podium. Um, if the race pans out her way, uh, she's a definite chance for, for a win if the bike course had been a little bit trickier um, or maybe some hills and stuff um, it probably gives her a slightly better chance uh, it also depends you know, what other athletes get selected um, which is always quite fascinating Olympics is not it is a really strong field but there's going to be some really good athletes that do miss out mainly from America and now Great America Britain. will
0: have three players so do you yep. think that that makes them give them the advantage um,
1: oh, do you, when, no, often, when teams
0: for, get three do they have the domestique
1: no no no, no. so but the good thing, Taylor Nib's got pretty much every base covered. If it comes down to a running race in Paris, uh, she was the best American. Uh, so whatever whatever happens, she's, she's in with a shout.
0: So the race was really exciting for second, really. Taylor Nib dominated, um, yeah, good, good females race. Yeah. Men's race, fascinating. So John, I was telling John, we've, this is actually our second recording because we had a technical problem. But um, in the top 10 men, there was no athlete within the top 10 rankings for the PTO.
1: And I'll be honest, of the top ten Did you know I, I recognise a couple of names, um, but a lot of them. I, I, I was out and I came home and they were coming off the bike where they just started the run, I think maybe one or the other. And I looked at the leaderboard and I went yeah, what the hell's happened here? Is there been like some mass disqualifications? Have people gone off course? What's going on? Because well, I actually thought because
0: <laughs> I forgot where it was, and so I got the PR release, yeah, and they said 70.3. And I didn't really, you know, you're kind of brushing through emails. and I went down to all the top 10, and I thought, I oh, must be some other 70.3. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it was the world champs,
1: yeah, like, I knew none of the names. Like, so, funk, kind I of think I'd heard of just because it's a cool name, yeah, you know, but so pretty, pretty bizarre racing. It was good racing. But the front group that got away, uh, stayed away, shut a lot of people out of the race. And of the names that we are familiar with, um, they either didn't fire or, or semi-fired and blew up or got disqualified. But let's
0: be honest, if you look down the field, okay, so of the names you're familiar with.
1: Uh, so you go Sam Long, he was Long. Uh, he was in 12th. Sanders got disqualified, didn't he? Sanders got disqualified. What for what? Uh for? We'll go into that later on okay. for crossing a imaginary centre line. Um, there was a couple of others. Um, we had... Uh, Jason West pulled out before the race, and he was who I thought might have taken it. So, it was it, we discussed last week, it was definitely a weaker field. There's not really any iron distance dudes there. Um, Jackson Laundry had a poor race as well. So, those are the names that we the typically see popping oh yeah, up. Blumenfeld, Bloomerf- yeah, he, he blew up as well, but he had some some issues. So, so, really,
0: but if you look at that field, you've got Sanders, Long, Blumenfeld,
1: um, uh, West pulled out. It's, you know, those are the rocks. The, the, the strength race, of the field is ninety point five nine, so it's still a really strong field, but it's not as strong as what we saw in the PTO races. Um, and and the points reflect that. I think Rico Bogan, who won the race, I think I saw is going to get ninety four points compared to say what Blumenfeld got in Singapore, which is like ninety nine points. Oh wow! It doesn't sound like much, but that's a significant yeah, difference for in the, the end rankings. of the year as well. Yeah. So Rico Bogan, who took the race, uh, <laughs> you would have won. If you could have bet on that, you would have won oh, so yeah. much money. He's was, a 69th ranked athlete in the world. Well, he's done, just about done nothing. And I thought, I wonder if he's had a really good short course career. You know, he's still only 22. No, he hasn't really done much at short course either. Um, he, he, to be fair, he did win 70.3 at Crush Cow. Um, and he beat... Uh, he beat... Um, Patrick Langer there and a few other good good athletes. Um, and But when he went to World Long Distance Champs earlier this year, 14th, 4th at Ironman Lanzarote, 6th at Luxembourg, there's nothing there to suggest no, this yeah. dude's going to go to a World Champs and win it. When you look at Frederick Funk, he's a pretty consistent performer. He got 5th last year um, and has had some some good results but normally it's his run that will let him down. Um, but... So you go yeah okay we might we expect you to be at least there off the bike um but so far this season he's had a win he was 13th at the the PTO US Open he was 19th at the European Open um so yes he definitely wins races but you wouldn't say you know he got 5th at the Canadian Open last year so he's he's a good performer but he's uh, not he's not Top
0: pedigree, yeah. He's not Jan Fredino. No,
1: um, no. And Jan Strutman, I'd heard of him, but not not very much. The guy who got fourth, Matthias uh, Markinger. He did really well in the U.S. Open, so he was a name we're familiar with. But a lot of the other top ten, I've I've heard their names mentioned here or there, but. Uh, not necessarily to, to be dominators. So, yeah, crazy race. Um, so what
0: about the race? So so uh, unexpected top 10, very unexpected top 10. Joshua Lewis doesn't even have a photo on PTO. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, mate. You got to fifth place. Awesome yeah. work. But you, know, you don't even have a photo on the PTO website. So he's from the UK, Joshua. He's, uh don't even know his age, his height. Know nothing about Joshua other than he's fifth in the world.
1: Yeah, and he got third at Challenge London. And then outside of that,
0: he's really kind of – Hasn't had you know yeah. was, you know second so, at seventy point three
1: chef uh, I year, but uh, how we, we do say European athletes are bloody strong. Yeah, um, so they're not like these guys are mugs. They're still fast, and they were they got away on the bike and they just put the hammer down. But
0: it is reflective of the timing of the race, mm-hmm. it seems odd to have this race so close to the Nice race.
1: Yeah, well, that's just because Nice was uh, you know. A bit of a knee-jerk reaction, and they've uh, had a year. Sorry, they've had a year. Yeah, but this was probably locked in way, way, way before Nice. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it doesn't. And the other reason is, you know, he had the PTO races as well. Yep. So So um, it was a bit of a bit of a just a shit show. So, so right? the race. Uh, so the course uh, looked very fast on the bike. Funk averaged forty-seven k's an hour, really? and I checked uh, a file this morning of someone who's racing, and it was. It was basically 90 k's, the person measured it a couple hundred metres short but hey that's close enough, looked pretty scenic, Um, nice uh, undulations on the run for those that didn't follow it, Um, reasonable crowds around the start finish, the weather was cold by the look of it, Um, especially for the boys race it was raining, it may have warmed up during the day but for the pros that were going first up it did look pretty cold, like 13 to 15 degrees centigrade. and yeah, it sounds like there was quite a lot of drafting penalties on the on the bike, um, and there was definitely a DQ for Lionel Sanders. Yeah, so, we lots of complaints about the drafting. Um, well, I, don't know, in terms of the, I, haven't, I haven't heard about age groupers but um, it seemed like there was a bit on the, on the bike but they were dishing out penalties and look uh, one thing they didn't have there that they will have, they have at the PTO races is uh, the race, race ranger, ranger. Yep. and the other advantage that the PTO races have is smaller field sizes yep. so it's just hard when you've got that many people on the start line and the swimming standard now is really high and the but people are just going to be Either working too hard on the bike, you're just going to get bunches formed, and this is why we end up with draft legal Olympic distance races because it's just it becomes impossible not to draft in circum circumstances. So they really need to have a look at that. Sanders got a DQ, which he's um, complaining about, and and all the keyboard warriors are complaining as well. So how that happened was he crossed, uh, was passing somebody, and he was on a road that had no um, markings down the Uh. middle of the road, and so he crossed a theoretical center line and got disqualified for that. I didn't see the incident. Um, How do you argue that? But yeah, but it's it's uh, it's he's, centre centre he's not, centre centre not aware of it. But I, maybe I'm more aware of it because I'm a race director. Like it's in my notes. If there's no center line, you got it. There is a theoretical center line. If you cross over it, it's the same as there being a center line. Yeah. So if you're like a couple of centimeters, it's pretty harsh call. Yeah. But maybe I don't know. I didn't yeah, see the. Yeah, if you moved right to the other side.
0: It's a different piece. But yeah. if you, it's but a you, fine line, isn't it? Yeah,
1: so, and so he was complaining about that. And this nothing gets Lionel Sanders. I think he's fantastic, but. You can't go crossing a centre line or a theoretical centre line. It's a stock standard rule. It's an automatic disqualification. If the j- referee didn't do it, he's not doing his job. Mm. And I get pissed off when people just start moaning, oh, refereeing shit. Mm. It's like, it's a rule, you know? Yeah. Uh, the rules might be wrong. You might not agree with them, but it's a rule. And if he hadn't enforced it, and geez, I just it does my head in when people moan about officiating because. Give it up some no time and do it yourself. Exactly. Um,
0: how far into the race was it, and was he a contender at that stage yeah he was doing
1: quite well he wouldn't have been in a position to win I don't think yep. um, but he was moving through the field um, and he was doing quite well and Sam Long was moving up I'm not sure quite what happened to him he got up to about 5th place at one stage I think on the run he was looking quite good but I think the front guys were, were too far in front even if they had had stellar runs did you
0: see that clip that someone sent through of Sam Long
1: talking after the PTO Asian race we'll talk about that in the end in the okay. show notes Okay. There we go. Um, so the co- <laughs> one, one thing that did happen I shouldn't laugh because it was really Shit! Is um, I started getting messages on Saturday. People going, where can we watch the the coverage? And I mm. said, Well, you got to watch it on outside sports. You can only watch it live if you if you want to watch it delayed. Then you've got to pay a subscription. And my plan was, I was the race was Saturday afternoon over here, into the evening. Wasn't going to watch it live. Um, I was going to get up on my bike and watch it the next morning. Yep. And I thought, right, I'm prepared to pay for the outside oh, sports subscription. Very, uh, yeah, it is was on YouTube, but that's different story. Uh, so. I thought I'll pay for this. And yeah, outside sports, what are you yeah, Well, they make you pay for a year. It's like 60 bucks US. So I thought I'm not paying that to yeah. watch one race, but it was discounted down to like 25 US. So I thought, oh, bugger, I'm okay. just going to pay for that. Um, didn't. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't because they had a mozza It didn't even work. Oh really? Uh, and they ended up putting it on Facebook, uh, Facebook on and on, on oh, YouTube. Oh, so that's why it was on YouTube, was it? Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been. And it's not on YouTube any longer. Or uh. the women's race isn't either. So that was a complete debacle. Um, the coverage was just pretty stock standard. I put a post on um, on our Facebook page, and people were laying into them. It was basically what you what you normally get. It's free. Um, Again, I'm never going to put the boot into the commentators. I think they do the best job that they can. The advertising is a problem, though, isn't it? The advertising is a problem, but again, it's free. So expect some, but it was OTT. OTT. Yeah. Um, and the commentators, they get thrown under the bus. So they, they they are seeing what we're seeing. I don't think they're getting any other data. So I can't really feel for them because they're doing the best that they can. Um, and yeah, some people's personalities you might not like, but let's not put the boot into them too yeah, much. I didn't
0: actually mind it. It was just the advertising.
1: hmm
2: Mm.
0: You know, there's this kind of theory in advertising, what is it, for every, uh, what is it, four to one. So, uh, basically three quarters content, you know, one quarter co- advertising. Yeah. You know, you think of TV, that's what it is, isn't it? You think of radio. Mm. Um, you know, the model it just seemed like it was always on, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: And it, and I think somebody pointed out it turns you off after a while. It's like yeah. I'm not going to buy that because I'm getting pissed yeah, off with advertising.
0: Yeah, yeah, and timing of it's always bad as well.
1: Um, one part that I really enjoyed of the coverage was the swim exit. Um, uh, I watched it was that really quick, wasn't it? When Rennie and uh, and Lieto were there, they were awesome. They were pumped. They were excited, and yep. it, and it made you excited to be to be watching. So they did a great job there. Um, it's just hard for them when they're up against the PTO coverage, which was significantly better than what they delivered there. They've got a lot easier when it's a multi-lap course, but it was so much better. And
0: I think uh, the other thing about PTO is they're trying to build an infrastructure which is around media long term, mm. so that they're really looking at their media package and, and probably a developmental thing which, you know, they kind of know they're at square one or, or step two of their process now, but each time they're probably really trying to evolve that process. I think the coverage for Iron Man is an afterthought. It's just stationary. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, like it's something they provide because they have to, but... Mm. They're not they're not selling the 7.3 World Champs all around the world to media companies, are they? You no. know, so it's so it's a different kind of need. Like for PTO, they need to make that media package a really good thing because mm. it's going to be their ultimate kind of their big selling point, I suppose, or the thing they sell to the to the media companies. Whereas Iron Man, um, having it good enough is probably all they care for.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally. Other,
0: agree. Th- other than the the ABC, well, it's not called that anymore, but the mm. the, the Kona yeah. package show. Mm. Um, it's going to be interesting. What would they do with that with Nissan Kona this year?
1: Oh, I presume they'll just produce a you know thirty to sixty minute highlight package, and they'll have they'll, I think they'll just have a double whammy. Um, you'll have some. So, do you think they'll
0: do two shows, or do you think they'll uh, yeah. cross across one? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Because mm. you know, like that, you know, back in the day, like, like, I'm really curious how often nowadays. You know, because when I started, you, you watched the hour thing, and it made mm. you want to do Iron Man. Mm. You know, and, and it was that was their biggest marketing. They used to win the Emmy every year. Mm-hmm. It was a huge marketing thing, and then, and then there's the kind of. The long tail of media, as in there's so many distribution networks nowadays, they don't really get their big distribution on a big American channel anymore. Mm. So I wonder what the impact of that is in comparison to what I imagine it's diluted
1: and probably more... they would just go into different platforms, onto social media, yeah. and maybe do shorter clips and the, you know the inspirational stories. They'll just have that up as one clip And maybe more often. Yeah, you get so lots more
0: feeds of those. But it'll yeah. be interesting to see what they do with that. Is it going to be two shows, one for Nice, mm. or do they combine them?
1: Mm. Yeah. So with Stock Santa coverage, I, and again... I don't want to put the boot into the commentators because I think they do the great job, but one thing that really does my head in here we go um, is they don't mention any other races other than the seventy point three. It's like it's on only an Ironman world. I'm like you are insulting us all. We're the the people who are watching this coverage. Let's be honest, fans. is fans. Yep. You know what's been going on in the sport. They're generally going to be hardcore fans, and for them just to ignore it. And that I'm sure they've been given the directive to do that. It's just I wanted to punch the screen and like they were talking about Imogen Simons. <laughs> she hasn't done anything so far this season. I was like, she was fourth like a couple of weeks ago or oh, last week. you morons. That's maybe a bit harsh on them because I know they probably weren't allowed to say anything. But my god, it's pathetic. Luckily, Rennie brought up some Singapore action. Like she she was saying, oh yeah, she raced in Singapore last weekend. But the other two, and I know they were under directive. But Jesus, it's it's just a bit hidden. immature, isn't it? It's childish. Yeah, that's the problem really with it, like childish. As you
0: say, the people watching this, we're the fans of the sport. You're not getting Joe Public pulling on bloody, f- paying sixty bucks for an hour. You know, like no. the, the, it's people who know the sport. And so it's the elephant in the room, and it's the
1: elephant in the room that makes you look stupid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so childish. Uh, so that was my main my main gripe, and the only other gripe was you need to have somebody in the back room checking stats before you put them up because there was one instance where they put up some power numbers and i'm like there's no way that is right uh it was like the the females were riding like 330 watts and i'm like that's they might have pumped that out for a, for a short period on a, a hill climb or something there's no way they were averaging that later on they the stats that i saw were accurate you know it was in you know the low to mid 200s um that was right but there's no way they were doing over 300 so you need somebody checking your stats so overall,
0: I'm, I'm just really curious to see the, the the importance of this race as we move forward. Um, I
1: know, think it'll still be important, um, but I don't think I are going to do anything different. It'll be stock standard coverage. Um, yeah, but like next
0: year, top hole, it's going to be after, after mm. the, you know, so what kind of field we're going to get there. Yeah. You know, if we keep, di- if, you know, like this year you kind of go, okay, well, they got the timing wrong, maybe mm. because of timing of planning of Nissan or the rest of it. So that top 10 men's race, it's, you know, it's good on them, but it's not the field we want to see mm. at the top 10. If... Topo is like that next year. Mm.
1: Like, does it actually end up diluting it and well, make definitely? It if the seventy, if the PTO series, just everyone just does that, and yeah, and
0: because you're going to argue, like Topo could be really weak,
1: and you've got to also qualify. So if you're doing all the PTO races, you've got to do another seventy point three somewhere to qualify. And another. And when's Topo going to be for November? November. Yeah.
0: You know, so how many of the northern hemisphere, you know, athletes want to race in mm. Topo at the you know, the very end of their season? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So there'll be some. Um, what do you call it, cherry pickers?
1: We do need to mention as well, there's another death, unfortunately, in the swim, oh, which was bloody tragic. Um, so, yeah. Actually,
0: you haven't gotten to show notes about this. So, the, so last week we talked about at, which race was it? Ironman um, uh, Cork, Cork. Cork. Yep. Um, two deaths in the swim, mm-hmm. and we kind of loosely mentioned an email that was sent through to us. Seems like there's a bit of controversy around this. So there's going to be a lot of controversy a lot a lot of coming law, of lawyers. lawyers are coming out, aren't they? Because they basically, be. the Irish triathlon organisation have kind of come up and put their hands out and said, we said we shouldn't actually have this race on the day. Well, they state. pulled
1: their sanctioning. Yeah. And then the Ironman organisers said, okay, we're still going to run the race. So it was a real bad So look. how did the people, because did you see the videos? I saw the video. So we, we saw a little clip of uh, the swim start. I'll be honest, it looked pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it looked really bad to get into the yeah, water. Yeah, that was the thing. There was waves crashing. But the problem
0: out. was, the waves are going onto rocks. Mm. You know, so, like, because the video you saw, if you haven't seen it, basically, you, you, there's a swimming tree. you kind of got the crowds. It's going down a ramp. On rocks, you know. Mm. Like, So, the, if you're crashing in, other than the ramp, mm. you're crashing. So, I'm kind of curious to see, and, you know, we have to respect these people. It's horrible what's happened. But how did they actually pass away? Well, like, mm. if it's a heart attack, mm. okay, well, that's really horrible, unfortunate.
1: But what actually happened to the people? Yeah, no, it's. I'm sure it's going to come out at some stage. I think it's going to take a while. I've got to say, yeah, it was uh, definitely marginal conditions. What have you put a
0: race on in those conditions? Well,
1: I've had conditions like that uh, in my Sea to Sky race, very similar to that, but the waves aren't crashing onto rocks. Yeah, this one thing. Yeah, and it's short course, and you're swimming in like it's a point to point swim. Yeah, um, that would have been they did shorten the swim. To swim even a couple of Ks in that would have been tough going. I would have been fine. Most most intermediate to advanced people would have quite enjoyed the challenge. There's no way I wouldn't want to swim 4K in that. Um, But just that entry point and maybe the exit point was probably the same, that would have been really tricky.
0: Now someone, I can't remember the name, but I think it's Colin, was sending through a lot of information about it. And he was saying, should I maybe give the option of, on a day like that, optional swim?
1: um well he, i think his point was you could have a run replace the swim um you, you may but as not. an option
0: like you know like for you hmm. you would have gone on that wouldn't you
1: i would have gone that yep no yep. problem
0: whereas maybe a, a, someone who's not confident or is worried yep. about their swimming they would have gone you know i'm not going to do this hmm. but they still want to have the ironman experience so it's and you just have two two results
1: or something like that yeah um, yeah it's yeah it's very 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 tricky situation but i think, think that most kind of races would have just changed said swims off we're going to have a duathlon start and people would probably look at that and go yeah it's fair enough
0: <laughs> well it doesn't the liability of it. it's going to be yeah, as you say it's going to be really interesting moving forward what will actually happen there okay we had iron wales happen uh, it's female only pro race and no, it's, know, com- it's coming up this oh week. is it coming up okay, coming up it's coming up Ironman
1: Wales a fantastic race love to go and do it They like, epic crowds female only race Ro- like yeah yeah, yeah. Look, and just a Brilliant, brilliant. The race. Red Rocket
0: always talks about how he is, he's done wrote and he thinks it's more like he's from Wales, I think. So but he says it's wrote like maybe even better.
1: Uh, Marianne Genier is seed number one. Nikki Bartlett and Henny Hartikanen from Finland is in third place or uh, in ranked third. So uh, only seven or eight. Female pros on the list, but good luck to everybody doing. I'm in Wales this weekend.
0: Okay, uh, we've also got Superman, Superman, Super League. I started watching Superman the other day. Did you? I was in Auckland and I, I'd done a big day's work and I got to. Got to my hotel room at six. I was in bed by eight. Mm-hmm. No, probably be by seven thirty, mm-hmm. and I thought I'll put on Netflix and put on Superman. I was to sleep in two minutes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but you anyway, know, Super League London,
1: yeah, that was on at the weekend. Not a um, strong field. It was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the strongest field. I'm not going to talk about the results because people may not have seen them. They can go and watch it online. But the Super League season is underway. Um, yeah, certainly not a world championship type field. But really good racing. Females race in particular was fantastic. Um, and then next weekend, or this weekend coming up, they're moving on to Toulouse. Probably get a few more um, speedies in there because Hayden Wilde wasn't racing. He's probably still getting over his uh, little fall in Paris. Um, but hopefully we get a stronger field in Toulouse. And they're celebrating this year five years of Super League. Five years of mm. Super League, there we go. got to say, one thing I will say... Is we've talked about the commentators quite a bit, and some people put the boot into them. All the Aussie commentators are bloody good, so they've got Aussie commentators on Super League. Yeah, you go. Ren- Ren- Rennie's probably um, the best one on the IMAN coverage and on the, the PTO coverage, and Crowy was fantastic as well. So like, Aussies, you do well in your presentation of sports
0: and Super League's a much more entertaining package. Mm. You know, like that's short, it's fast, lots happening. It's it's entertainment, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but
1: maybe we're a bit biased in that because we're Kiwis and we're kind of. Pretty similar to Aussies. Americans might feel slightly different about that, but I think they're all really good. Okay, let's go into this week's discussion. It was Does going to a PTO race as an age grouper excite
0: you more than a regional 70.3 champs? I think, I think well, well, I think the answer is going to be pretty obvious, but um, we probably should have to put Wilds. Yep. You know, yep. we probably should can, can, But anyway, let's look at uh, Rob Daly has got I think it would be nice for a change.
1: Yeah, um, I'll just scroll down to the bottom. Uh, Good question, says Soren Hall. When is PTO coming to New Zealand? Well, I think they're coming to Australasia, but I don't think they're coming to New Zealand next season.
0: Uh, Chan's got, yes, I think the PTO has shown their professional field is stronger than a regional 70.3. The question is whether more PTO races water down the fields like it has with Ironman. Uh, He's got, I would travel to a PTO race to officiate, but I wouldn't for a regional 70.3. It's yeah. a good
1: point here by Simon Miles. It depends on the course. lakh bike with an age group field on, um, of like 1,000 people, absolutely no interest. Yeah, true. Um, if they make it so there is space, then yes, I'd be keen.
0: What did In Singapore, did the age groupers do the same course?
1: No, they did a different course. It was lapped but it certainly wasn't lapped like what they uh, had. Massive laps. Just lapsed. off the top of my head, I think it was two laps. Okay, well, that's doable.
0: Scott Hawes has got, yes, building back from into racing after four-year break due to COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Kicking things off with Clash Daytona USA uh, USAT Long Course Nationals. Then with the new announcement, excited to see what happens. Locked in 23 uh, world champs in Austria uh, is a long way. Uh, so now I sit on the Spanish 2025 I race uh, WTC races during the heydays of the early 2000s WTC races do not racing does not interest me at all it's watered down been in the sport for 32 years so at the age of 52 I found new motivation to look for ITU racing as age groupers
1: Nice, Paul Patrick. Uh, as an age grouper who mainly does Olympic and half distance, I definitely would travel to a 100k PTO race. I have no allegiance to Ironman and have really enjoyed challenge events too. I want to do events that look like they'll be a great experience regardless of the brand. Um, these races certainly do look like they fit the bill and I'm not convinced 70.3 regional champs label on an event is enough of a draw in itself to versus a whole host of other factors, such as location, price, timing, etc. Uh,
0: Rob Chance has got the, the, motive, the multiple laps thing, um, and then Rob Paul Fitzpatrick kind of said he thinks the loops will be longer. Kylie Cox has got um, the hot chick she's got. I would really love an event where I could watch all the best pros race the next day on an epic course. 70.3 doesn't have that, where we're all racing on the same day in course. It's not usually my draw card, but it would add to it. Not sure how the new distance, 100k, will dilute the 70.3. In general, it certainly will be, make it a competitive, more competitive, and seems 70 point races as far fallen by the wayside. Don’t think from New Zealand, though, age group racing at PTO will be any more accessible than 70.3s due to costs and travel.
1: Poor ass New Zealand, we got bloody isolated. Mm-hmm. Last one I'll do, Luke Gilmer, uh, yes I'm excited, I like the distances, I would like to race over the 100k and 200k and if they can time the age group race to allow watching for the pros, that would be fantastic. And that's a bit of a, both Kylie and Kylie the Colonel Cox and Luke have said there I think is a real big thing for me to, to, to make the decision easier, it would be if the pro race was the next day or say the evening or whatever that you're racing that would make a significant impact on my decision that's to funny to you say that because
0: one of the things people have always talked about with Ironman is they love the fact they're out there on the day with the rock stars mm-hmm. you know you know let's be honest you know like that's mm-hmm. what people are like oh I love it when you're out there and you see crow riding past you on the bike or mm-hmm. you know like people do love that component of hey I'm in the same race as the best in the game
1: yeah uh but for me, that would be a big draw card um to go and do an event. you can go and watch agree with people that a multi lap course for age groupers, potentially as long as it's not crowded that doesn't bother me, but I'd rather have a probably a scenic sort of challenging course, but several laps would be nice, but yeah, the key for me would be having those pros race at a time and and like what we see with the p t o races, you have the men and women on on um on different days, and like that's if if the women were racing on Saturday and I was racing Sunday morning, I'd, yeah, I'd go and watch for a little bit, but I'm not going to go stand on my feet for for three and a half hours to, to watch them. Um, whereas if you're racing Saturday morning and then they had the, the men and women sort of split in the afternoon or, or some other way, then uh, that would be that would be awesome. and I and, I would def, and, and the seventy point three world champs and the formula they've typically used there is the pros go off first in the morning at yep. you know seven o'clock and yeah and doesn't work.
0: Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. If we're, if we're comparing it to uh, like regional champs, and we're assuming costs for travel and getting there mm. is similar. You got a PTO; mm. it's a no-brainer. Mm. Like Worlds, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, although, if I'd gone to Worlds this year to watch the pros race, I've been a little bit disappointed in the men's field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, like, again, like, like, just being fair. Yeah. Um, but if it was a Worlds, it, it'd mm. be a harder discussion. But mm. regional, it's <sighs> what mm. is the regional seventy point three? Sorry? What, what are the Australasian regionals? Don't
1: even know. See? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: So if you go, I go to Asia yeah. and get to race in Singapore like they did a couple of weeks ago or goes somewhere in Australia. and
1: It seems to me that for regional championships for 70.3 doesn't mean anything for age groupers. For pros, it does because there's more prize money, yeah. so you get stronger fields.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the problem is they can't even use that as a carrot towards the worlds because not they can't give away the world slots for age group <laughs> yeah. You know, because remember back in the day, you had to do a, a, a half Ironman mm. to do the Ironman in Australia because the mm-hmm. sport was so popular. And, you know, so there was kind of a qualification step process, um, you know. In theory, if there was enough demand in 70.3, that's what you, you'd have the Australasian mm. Champs where you qualified for the worlds. Mm. But they're giving away that golden ticket, aren't they? Exactly. Okay, this week's discussion, what has been the best triathlon to watch this season, now John, we'll do we'll do your quiz question, but I don't think we need to do age
1: group of the week. Sounds so, good. Quiz question: What? what well, I was the Super League is celebrating their fifth anniversary, which is uh, crazy. It's been around for that long already. It still seems pretty new, but the first ever race was held in Hamilton Island in Australia. What was the second venue used by Super League after Hamilton Island? Oh, okay, because cool. the first year they just had it in Hamilton Island; it was a one-off. Yep, and then after that, they there was another uh, island. Yeah, I think so. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go guys. Is. Okay, let's go into interview. Yes. Who we got? We're talking to Scott Tindall from Performance new, he's a performance Nutritionist with uh, Fuel In. Okay, Fuel In. Right right team. Um, We've got Scott Tindall on the show today, performance nutritionist, worked with some major sports um, over the years, the Toronto Maple Leafs, America's Cups team, the Oracle team that bloody stole the America's Cup from New Zealand many years ago, uh, plenty of triathletes as well, Sierra Pampiano and Holly Lawrence, um, and now uh, in charge at uh, Fuel Inn. So welcome back to the show, Thank Scott. Thank you for having
2: me, John. Uh, pleasure to be here.
1: Um, now it's quite apt. I, I pops got a message sort of saying oh, a couple of topics we've maybe discussed. And he said, Yep, I'm keen. And, um, and actually, almost the same day, I was watching a little interview with, with Bradley Wiggins, who won the Tour de France um, a number of years ago. And he was saying he was really concerned for, for top pro cyclists. You know, now they've got a really, really long season. Um, and he's really concerned about their long term bone health because they're super skinny. Like cyclists are insanely skinny. And they're also in a, in a non-weight-bearing activity, and their seasons are really long, so they're not really having that off season. Uh, so he was really concerned. So it's quite apt to come on. And we're going to sort of discuss around uh, sort of bone health today. So Scott, maybe it's, it seems like quite a hot topic for you. Is is there a particular reason for for that that it's uh, it's it's high on your agenda at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think John and just. It's interesting you say that about the cyclists. I was talking to a uh, professional triathlete based in Europe the other day and he he rides with the jumbo team and uh, he was saying like literally their jerseys, which are obviously skin tight, are literally just falling off them. Yeah. Um, and he, he said oh, yeah. like, and this guy is pretty lean and he's like, I just pale in comparison to these guys. They're just so skinny. And I don't know if you actually watched the, did you watch the Tour de France Netflix series?
1: And and also the Cavendish documentary yeah. that's just come out on Netflix.
2: I mean, there as well. was the one bit though with the English, um, who's the um, mountain bike rider, uh, uh, Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom yeah, up. and he just mentions he's like, he's like, yeah, chicken rice. We're just constantly trying to lose weight. <laughs> it's like, wow, I can't believe yeah. they just put that in. So.
1: Yeah, but they still they <laughs> still perform amazingly well. But I mean, I know there's some some potential implications longer down the track now we, we see and we hear quite a lot of pros with sort of bone related issues maybe just sort of give us an in- intro into you know what sort of defining what bone related issues are i know it probably sounds pretty simple but there's quite a big continuum on on what can actually be happening yeah
2: i think look i and we discussed this earlier i think firstly for everyone listening is understanding how low energy availability plays into this so which Ultimately, low energy availability is sort of the underlying etiology or the underlying cause of red S. Now, red S is not necessarily always going to uh, display bone injuries. However, bone injuries are often displayed when some an athlete is suffering from relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, low energy availability, simply for everyone understanding, is obviously energy availability equaling energy intake minus energy expenditure. And when energy and that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but it's important for athletes to understand is when energy expenditure outstrips energy intake, you start to get some issues. And those issues can end up in the bone. And when you have a disparity between energy intake and energy expenditure, then that micro damage to the bone can begin to occur.
1: And in, in, in terms of how that manifests itself, you know, often people think about stress fractures, um, and it can can go beyond that. So maybe talk about that continuum of, of sort of how it sort of moves along that scale.
2: Yeah. So obviously, uh, that continuum that you talk about is not necessarily always going to be a stress fracture to begin with you can have a stress reaction, which is microfractures without uh, what we call cortical disruption. So the bone won't appear fractured, but there is what we call a stress reaction within the bone. Now, if that continues to progress, then you start to get disruption within the bone and a clear fracture will be seen, and that will be seen as a stress fracture in the bone.
1: Nice. And Do you see this happening as much in age groupers as as you do pros? Like pros, we just seem to be seeing more and more of it. And I don't know if that's because of social media or or just in general, athletes are just having higher profiles and we've got more pro athletes. Um, Are you seeing that it's as big an issue in age groupers as it is in pros?
2: Well, I mean, when you look through the research and I was doing a, a review yesterday and the day before, and just looking at what we see in the epidemiology, I mean, you've got stress fractures representing somewhere between 10 and 20% of all injuries in sports medicine. That's from a, a systematic uh, review in 2020. That That is a fairly high number of stress fractures across now, obviously that's across um, all sports, uh, we know that runners have a higher um, incidence of stress fractures. We know that the lower limb is more likely to be impacted uh, than the upper limb for obvious reasons, because it's bearing the weight. Um, you go through it and whether they're age group athletes, highly trained or professional um, athletes, there still appears to be this sort of 10 to 20% of all injuries. Um women are at bigger risk. Now, it's not entirely clear why women are more at risk than men. I think there's probably a number of reasons there. Um, Is it because potentially women are more focused on the body composition aspect, which is often related to their sports, and as a result, puts them into low energy availability and the subsequent consequences of that? Is there and most likely hormonal interplay. So the impact of a female's menstrual cycle, which will obviously be impacted with low energy availability, does that push them to be further predisposed to stress fractures or bone injuries as well? Um, when you when you talk about, you know, is it more common in age groupers than pros, I think it's probably a really tough one to really nail down. I think what we're seeing is more athletes highlighting it on social media and saying that they've had injuries, whereas in the past, maybe they shied away from that. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the incidence is increasing. It just means that the awareness is actually becoming better. However, in saying that, what I think is very frustrating is, despite uh, highlighting the injury, there's always this sentence, oh, we're searching for the answers. And it's just a massive bugbear of mine. It's like, let's call bullshit on that and say, mm-hmm. guys, let's like just own it. There has clearly been, I mean, unless, of course, you dropped a brick on your foot. Yeah. But let's be very clear here and say that there is most likely a disparity in energy intake and energy expenditure. And that needs to be addressed first is and it- foremost.
0: Because traditionally, you would have thought it was a loading problem. You know, I know for elite athletes, their bodies are pretty pretty highly conditioned. But when you think of stress fractures, you know, you know, it's often people have loaded too much too quickly or, or volume, you know, all the rest of it. And so when we look at this, what would you, and you know, maybe you can't put a percentage to it, but it's how much of it is loading versus how much is it nutrition?
2: Well, I mean, loading, obviously, the training plan does come into it. However, you know, again, with a professional athlete, you would and uh, assumption is the mother of all f ups isn't it but you would you would say that the coach in charge of that professional athlete has a pretty good handle on training load now yes they're going to push the they're going to push the needle however again and this is i think the fallback is like oh maybe it was the training load it's like no the nutrition and that low energy availability is underpinning this And if athletes get their nutrition right, and I'm I'm not saying nutrition is going to solve all the issues, but there is a good chance if you're under fueling the body, you are putting your bone under unnecessary stress that does not allow it to remodel in time to allow it to repair itself. Because every time you load the bone, it is going under some form of stress. And you have osteoblastic and osteoclastic activity. Osteoblast put down bone, osteoclast take it away the osteoblast will lag behind that osteoclast um, activity and then if you lay so that's after activity after you know doing a running session bone the remodeling of the bone when you look at the bone mineral markers things like that there is this lag in terms of the taking away of the bone compared to laying it down now we also know emerging evidence is that When you delay feeding, in particular, if you delay carbohydrates after loading, i.e. running, that can have a negative impact in a very short term turnaround on that osteoclastic and osteoblastic activity. And so if you have an athlete who decides, oh, I'm going to do faster training, I'm not going to eat before session, and I'm certainly not going to eat after the session, that could be detrimental in a very short period of time.
0: So what your thoughts on the trends recently? Because it's been a lot about fasted training.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of that is, I think athletes are coming around now to, based on the science that maybe fasted training, is certainly it's not the best thing to be doing in season. Uh, I think out of season, potentially there might be some role of doing some form of training in a fasted or a lower carbohydrate state, but it's the post-recovery fueling, which is really important. And, that, and that's, again, I where I think a lot of athletes get it wrong. They might do faster training and then delay refueling and recovery feeds after that, which, again, as I mentioned, like from a physiological perspective, it could be detrimental in a very short period of time.
1: I imagine the pushback you're going to get when – if people are listening to this or, or, or you're doing a consultation with a pro or an age grouper, you're telling them they need to be fueling more, you know, before, during, after. Um, I imagine a lot of the pushback is going to be, but yeah, then I'm going to put on weight. Is that normally the case, or do you find that you know they're, they're going to be utilising whatever they get taken in?
2: I don't know how many pros have you seen that are overweight at the moment. Um, no, no. <laughs> there's not many. Um, yeah. I think I think the reality is with most of the pros, it's like convincing them that you know they don't have a weight issue. And as you say, you know, fueling them appropriately. I mean, I will say, like, I can think of a couple of male pros who I've worked with recently, who they're sort of like, it's not enough fuel. (laughs) And and they're well on, you know, they're well in tuned with how much they need to be eating in order to perform. And I think when the athlete gets their head around that, that actually if they're fueling appropriately, their sessions are going to feel better they're going to recover quicker means they can do second sessions in the day that they, they really sort of buy into that. And ultimately, yeah, they probably end up because of, yeah, I mean, again, body fat is going to be reduced through training when, again, that equation, when your energy intake, energy expenditure is in, in a deficit. And I think so often these athletes are in deficits and um, you know, without even trying to be in it, but when they consciously try and reduce intake, then it becomes a huge issue because that gap just gets so wide.
1: Um, you sort of talked a bit before about you know the necessity to fuel with carbohydrate, you know, as soon as possible directly after sessions with regards to you know bone health. Um, is there any, in particular on, the, on a micronutrient side of things, is there any particular areas that people need to be really mindful of, you know, carbohydrates, one thing, but I need to be looking after certain micronutrients as well?
2: Yeah, I, I think for any athlete, you know, when we discuss bone health, uh, vitamin D is one of those micronutrients that pops up a lot uh, because of its role in bone integrity and bone health. So athletes should be screened for vitamin D uh, for their status. I think twice a year is certainly enough. And then obviously if they're found to be deficient or insufficient, that you would look to um, take vitamin D as a supplement. And I think taking vitamin D as a supplement year round is probably advised given the way we're all stuck inside for so often, so much of the time. So certainly depending on their level of vitamin D, and I think aiming, you know, for, for an athlete, aiming for around 70 nanograms per milliliter or 175 nanomoles per milliliter for an athlete is a good target. Um, if, if they're not at that level, then supplementing with somewhere between between 4 and 10,000 IU a day, Monday to Friday, will often bring about an increased level in that vitamin D within sort of an 8 to 12 week period.
1: I was, as soon as you started saying that, um, I was thinking uh, so many people just spend so much time inside now, and but you, you think z- it's zwif- swif- yeah. swifting. You know, yeah. that's the majority of the training <laughs> yep. and uh, northern hemisphere treadmill training. Yep. You know, you might not get outside hardly at all over winter, correct? And people age groupers are now training you know a lot more 12 months of the year sort mm-hmm. of thing they might have a bit of a break but it's going to be a pretty big season so for us kiwis and aussies and stuff getting outside is not such a big issue but um yeah, well you,
2: you say issue. that go outside and have a look at everyone first thing in the morning everyone's got sunnies on long sleeves every every female is in long yoga pants there's no sun exposure I think, and, yeah. you know, I've talked about, because sun's kind of the enemy, well, isn't it? Well, correct. And, and slip, slop, yeah. slap, you know, the, the campaign yeah. here, fantastic in terms of reducing melanomas and that. However, you know, 15 minutes of full sun exposure is still good for the body. And I think it's it's like anything, isn't it? You go too far one way and then you start causing problems the other. And uh, I think vitamin D insufficiency and deficiency is a real issue at the moment. Um You know, the long-term implications on that, on what it does to population health, we're still unsure, but, you know, its relationship to bone, to muscle, to immune system function, it's certainly, there's a lot of correlation there. So, you know, what I would urge athletes to do is at least get tested, see where you're at, and then be purposeful with what you're doing in terms of supplementation, but also maybe... You know, first thing in the morning, no sunglasses, allow the light to get through into your eyes, expose as much of your body, you know, get your budgie smugglers on and lie in the sun, read the newspaper for 15 minutes, and, you know, it, it does the world of good.
1: Any other micronutrients that we, you know, vitamin D is obviously one. In terms of uh, calcium, iron, etc., any other ones that we need to be really mindful of?
2: Yeah, calcium's a a really good one. Um, You don't want to be taking it in supplemental form, and you certainly don't need to. Fifteen hundred to two thousand milligrams per day is the recommended dietary intake of calcium. You can get that through, you know, a glass of milk, uh, leafy vegetables, piece of cheese, tub of yogurt you're going to get that 1500 milligrams can of um, small oily fish so sardines tin salmon things like that great sources of calcium so very easy to get um, obviously dietary preference is going to play a role in that as well
1: yeah when you say dietary preference as well um, for vegetarians you know Um, or vegans it's even even harder to get those sources in so any any sort of general tips for for those following either a vegetarian or or vegan diet
2: yeah i think again come back to low energy availability and you say okay well total energy intake is going to be a primary concern not so much with a vegetarian but certainly with a vegan athlete and making sure that their total intake is actually uh, marrying up to what their energy expenditure is and you need to be fairly well controlled and planned if you are going down a vegan diet route. Uh, I think calcium is always potentially a problem with vegans and then B vitamins is going to be something that uh, vegans and vegetarians need to pay attention to. There's emerging evidence that things like uh, your B vitamins in particular, uh, folate and B12, uh, like which are likely to be insufficient in vegans, has a role in bone health. So again, for I think any athlete, getting their B12 status uh, assessed through blood test is a good idea. Uh, ideally getting what we call hollow TC or active B12 assessed if possible. And then, if you are insufficient or deficient, and you go down that dietary preference of maybe being a vegan, then using a supplemental form of B12 could be recommended. Nice. So
1: I, I'm picturing this: if someone gets a stress fracture, goes out there and gets diagnosed with a stress fracture, and if it's not well. Um, if they're not coming to see somebody like yourself, it might be it. This is how it pans out. I've got a stress fracture, shit. I've got to, I've got to take a couple of months off, off running. I'll still be able to swim plenty. Um, I'll probably be able to ride, but maybe need to do that fairly, fairly sensibly. Get it healed up, and then we sort of go back to, to normal. Maybe some potentially some biomechanical changes, and a slight change in the training program, um, and then and away we go. But but if they're in that state of um, low energy availability. What are, what are some of the long term consequences that you, you're potentially going to be facing, other than a recurrence of a of another stress stress fracture six months down the track?
2: Yeah, I think when you when that low energy availability, as we said, if it extends into that red S or that relative energy deficiency in sport, then it's got a wide ranging impact. And you know traditionally it was thought as as the female athletic triad, so that was low energy availability bone injuries, and then a menstrual dysfunction. That obviously in 2014 was widened into this sort of um, syndrome, I guess is how you classify it. And the realization that men as well as women were being impacted by this. So, you yeah, know, reproductive system. So we talked about menstrual dysfunction in females. Uh, it will also impact men. So low libido, erectile dysfunction, um, probably more micro damage in terms of, you know, is there is there more a long lasting damage to maybe uh, sperm production and sperm motility and those type of uh, aspects. Bone health, we covered hormone system. So you're going to get issues with the endocrine function, their metabolism, problems with blood, overall growth and development. There's obviously the psychological impact of all of this and how you know, the chicken and egg scenario, is it is it the psychology that's playing a big part in causing the low energy availability or does then that low energy availability obviously impact the psychology of the athlete, low mood, um, poor concentration, and so on. Cardiovascular health, gut health, and then really importantly, sort of that immuno- immunological sort of health. So are athletes getting sick a lot? that's a telltale sign that if they are getting sick a lot, then they're most likely under fueling as well.
0: What regards to, um, cause let's be honest, there's a lot of eating disorders with athletes mm. uh, and it's obviously going to make this even worse. Um, how much is that a part of the problem and how like, what's the, oh, that's such a hard problem to solve, but what's kind of the solutions mm. that we're trying to
2: work towards there? Yeah. I was talking to a pro athlete the other day and uh, you know, she was told by her coach, they, you know, had to lose X number of, um, you know, X bit of weight before a certain race in order to succeed. And, you know, that that happened many years ago and that stuck with her. And thankfully that athlete is a very strong athlete and sort of, you know, told the coach where to go. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. And yeah, I think the psychology of it all is huge, isn't it? Uh, I'll give you an example of a female athlete. Actually, she said we can talk about this. Is Rachel Zelenkis. Uh She just won Mount Tremblant Ironman. Actually, the other day she came back successfully. She's had multiple stress fractures. She's had. Uh, she's just actually returned from a femoral stress fracture. She had disordered eating, uh, eating disorder. She's been very open about this. Uh, she was a, a national swimmer with the US uh, USA. Um, Obviously, swimming immediately puts you in a a position where the bone mineral density is going to be impacted because it's a non-weight-bearing sport. She moves into triathlon, biking majority of the time. Again, a non-weight-bearing sport, um, as you highlighted with the cyclists and what you were saying before. And then she goes into running and the running volume where, again, volume probably was ramped up. Her biomechanics probably weren't exactly on point she saw and she was also under fueling you know the invariable happened and she developed stress fractures now in in her case she sought to rectify this she actively reached out to a strength coach uh, she works with Andrew Yoda, who's been fantastic she sought uh our expertise at fuel in and she went about really addressing the psychological aspect of it as well and you know it, it's such a big part but when the athlete starts to address all those factors you see really positive results and what you saw with Rachel you know with her win at Maltron Blonde was exceptional but it's not like okay one and done it's like, okay we got to stick with this now and she eats like you know in her in her words she's like I've never eaten so much in my life and yes there was the fear of putting on weight but she's now recognizing actually the fuel is what's allowing her to train better and train harder. And it's not impacting her weight in any way. Yeah. And she just ultimately is feeling a lot better.
1: Maybe um, with that, cause you're sort of talking about the fueling a lot, maybe tie in what you do at fueling into how athletes can actually get this right. Cause it's all good and well saying, right, we've got to be eating more yeah. and, and, and so on. But how do you actually go about getting that right in terms of, I guess, either planning it and, or or tracking it and trying not to make it too complicated. Some people want that in a training program. They want every bloody detail in there. Yeah, some people can follow that with nutrition as well. Yeah, But Joe Average wants just some, <clears throat> right, this is sort of the ballpark what you need to be doing to, to, to get it right. So maybe tie in what you do with fueling.
2: Yeah, I, I think, again, that's psychology, isn't it? And it's this, I don't know where it came from, this fear of carbs I think is probably... A really good place to start because mm. or finish because there there seems to be this fear of carbohydrates and if you eat carbs it's going to make you fat and yeah you know, carbs is a very wide broad term isn't it I think people mistake carbs with gels and sugar but they forget that carbs is also whole grains vegetables really good sources of micronutrition as well as macronutrition and when you understand how to apply differing forms of carbohydrate not just for performance but also for health then you start to see a really positive impact on the athlete and so i I guess the way that we do it we structure it so that athletes are aware that you can eat you can eat carbohydrates all year round there's there's no fear of that Um, the types of carbohydrates is going to be dictated by the intensity and the duration of the type of exercise and the amount of training you're doing. Certainly lower intensity exercise uh, before and after you can take in uh, higher quality types of carbohydrates. So talking whole grains, leafy vegetables, sticking to sort of lower glycemic type carbohydrates. Whereas, you know, for a lot of the really high performing athletes, yes, they will have to take in these higher glycemic type whole foods that includes potatoes and sweet potato pumpkin things like that and then in terms of in-session fueling yes using high amounts of carbohydrates to fuel the performance that they're trying to put forward so we use a traffic light system uh yeah you mentioned some athletes love it all like in every in every meal that we have and the way it's laid out they do get the individual macros within that traffic light system. But at its simplicity, if an athlete was to see red, they know, okay, that's probably lots of leafy greens, it's lower glycemic type carbs, it's a lower amount of carbs. If they see yellow, it's around 50 grams of carbs and they go, okay, I could probably add in some rice, I could have some bread with that, as long as I'm not going overboard. And if they see green as a traffic light, uh, as one of their meals, they know, excellent, I can eat all my vegetables and I can include some extra bread, some extra rice, some extra pasta, and I'm good to go. And as you say, you know, differing athletes will have differing ways of operating. And I think we can cater to them with, you know, specific numbers around specific macronutrients or at its simple, you know, as it's absolute simplicity just viewing a color and going okay i identify what that color means in terms of carbohydrates and how much i'm meant to
0: eat what's the ultimate place you're trying to get someone to
2: oh hell that's a great question that's such a good like, question you know, like, I, I think yeah. ultimately health um you know and i, I wrote i wrote it you talk about health and i, I wrote an article in training peaks recently about creatine Um, monohydrate because there's all this controversy around creatine and athletes are like oh it's not required for endurance athletes and you know i i said at the start of the article i was like well hold on if you look at why you got into the sport in the first place yes there are there's one percent of athletes that are the professional athletes and they're really high performing and all that but majority of athletes got into this for health reasons And so you've got to sort of step back and go, well, why am I starving myself first and foremost? But like, why am I doing this? And isn't it all about health? And I think that's very much where we're coming from, from a fuel in perspective is let's get the athlete healthy. And as we say that that could involve things like some blood tests, understanding nutrition. So educating them on nutrition, their requirements around proteins, fats, carbohydrates, understanding how differing fuel impacts uh, differing intensities and differing durations. But ultimately, you know, pushing the athlete towards being a healthy athlete, which is going to be a high performing athlete. And that, that's our sort of, I guess, mantra in all of this
0: one thing because I'm, I'm always because i work in the fitness industry and you yeah. see the, the adverse effects of, of food and mm. uh, and one thing i i also think you know you, people who listen to the show have heard me talk about this is that health <laughs> also means you eat your food you enjoy your food and you forget about your food yeah you know what i mean because i think there's so many people in our sport and the fitness industry where food takes up so much of their their mind space or their top mind time and to me it's like Enjoy your food, you know. a tool like yours, would be really great because you kind of go, you can trust you're making good decisions, and then let it go and live your life. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I just think so many people what a waste of your time thinking if you just think about nutrition your whole life.
2: Yeah, it's such a it's such a tricky one, isn't it? And I guess again, it comes down to education. Like, I mean, I think about food a lot because I guess it's it's what I'm sure. involved in, but I'm, I don't let it get to the point where it, you know, it impacts me in a negative perspective. But I, I probably do think about what I'm eating. Quite a lot and i've had friends go oh you're so like mindful of what you eat and what you're doing and i'm like but is that a problem and i guess it's again it's that continuum isn't it and that sort of shift where i think it's good for people to be aware and mindful of what they're eating because if you're not ultimately that could lead you down the path of obesity being overweight and very unhealthy but then you have the other flip side of that where you become so paranoid about it, what you're eating. You hear of people bringing Tupperware containers to dinner parties and you're like, that's too much. Like you don't need that. So I think it is striking that balance. And ultimately I think that balance comes with education. And when you understand what, and we, we eat food, we don't eat macronutrients, do we? Yeah, we can talk about grams of protein, grams of carbohydrate and that, but ultimately you need to understand where those grams are coming from and what types of foods you enjoy and how you can prepare that food to meet your needs and and that's probably the ultimate goal as well is for people just to understand what they need and how to actually get it
0: well and that's why i think a product like yours is really good because ultimately i think when we trust something we can let it go yeah um you know and so like if i trust that i'm i'm basically eating the right nutrition you know majority of the time then i don't need to be so obsessive about the the whole process of eating whereas i can just go okay i trust this works follow this process and then i can actually put my attention elsewhere
2: yeah that's a that's a really good point and it's feedback we get from athletes where it's like you know they just they just trust it and they look at it they go okay it's a it's a green meal and they're like i don't You know sometimes they won't understand it and they might reach out and say why is there a green meal you know a good a good example of this is always a friday friday for most athletes is a swim or a very low intensity session because and low duration because the next day they've got their big session either their big ride or their big brick and so many athletes always reach out to us and say why am i eating so much on the friday and it's like well look at what you're doing tomorrow and it's that, again, it's that aha moment where they're like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. I wasn't thinking about what I was doing today for tomorrow. I just always think oh, I'm only doing a half hour swim, so I don't need to eat anything today. And then they feel like shit the next day. And then when they start to get that understanding, they're like, oh, okay, so what I do today is going to impact tomorrow. Boom. And and that's such... I mean, it's so pleasing when you get an athlete going, oh, my God, I feel amazing on Saturday now because I'm actually eating more food on the Friday. And you're like, yes, okay, we're succeeding.
1: Nice. Yeah. Well, look, we've covered quite a few um, things uh, so far today, which has been awesome. Um, and things like Redis, like we could, people could do podcasts on that for a yeah. week. Uh, and it's a big topic. And I know one young fella locally who's been suffering with that. And it's just, it's not an easy hole to get out of. And what we're looking for is, you know, that training consistency, and if you can be getting the nutrition right, then hopefully these injuries won't happen. You'll be better fueled for for your training as well. So, um, Scott, any other sort of final points sort of around bone health that we we haven't sort of discussed that you wanted to get across? And maybe one sort of final plug for for what you guys guys are doing with Fuelin and, and how they can get in touch?
2: Yeah, I think like just some key takeaways, maybe, and it's not just females. I think males need to really be aware of this. And as you said, you, you you're aware of a young guy. Um, you know, I work with a young Aussie guy, Joel, and he reached out. He had serious issues with under eating, and now he he's eating the house down. So and performing much better. And I think we shouldn't forget that this impacts males as well as females. And for guys out there, don't put your head in the sand because this it can impact you. And what you're doing in your 20s is going to have long consequences on your bone health into your 30s, 40s, 50s. So, I honestly, for every triathlete out there or endurance athlete, please go and get a, a DEXA scan. I think we were talking, I was talking about this with Alan McCubbin, uh, Dr. Alan McCubbin, who works with us at Fuel Inn, and Elizabeth Imp. And, and we were just saying, we're just seeing such a high incidence of athletes who get a DEXA scan and they've got low bone mineral density and they're in their 20s, they're in their 30s. And it's like, this should not be happening. Like you, they are osteopenic, which is, you know, that again, that continuum. They're at that point where bone structure has been impacted negatively and if they continue down that road, they will develop osteoporosis by the time they're 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, we think of osteoporosis as a grandparents' disease, which is a terrible thing as well. It shouldn't necessarily happen. But mm-hmm. we think about it in an old person light, and yet we're seeing it so frequently now in 20-year-olds, in 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds with low bone mineral density. So mm-hmm. honestly, get a DEXA scan, get it. If you want to get it with, sorry, I'm just, my throat.
1: Scott's under the weather. He's We're done very ex- White here today. He's done extremely well to make it through about some 35 minutes or so without coughing once. <laughs> You've oh, done amazingly.
2: Um, you know, you get it with your bone mineral density and get it with your body composition because you know, maybe it will tell you as well, you actually are very lean. Maybe your lean muscle mass is actually below optimal as well. And, The best thing you could do is actually put on a little bit of body fat and put on some lean muscle and increase your bone mineral density so that would be one thing i think for a female if you do not have a regular period then there is a high chance that you're under fueling so if you are tracking your period or you have an absent period it is not normal okay? It is not normal to not have a regular menstrual cycle if you're an athlete, despite what has been talked about in the past. So again, that would be a big takeaway. And if you are a regular or you're absent, then seek help. Um, you know, whether that is seeking help firstly with from a psychologist, a sports psychologist, you can use a questionnaire called the Leaf L-E-A-F-Q. That may be Useful just to complete and see where you're at uh, on, on, again, as an objective sort of measure. Um, and then I think just, you know, we mentioned about blood testing, vitamin D status, you could look at uh, thyroid markers, T3 has been implicated in overtraining. Um, but I think it's just think of the big picture here. Think of health versus performance and why are you in the sport and what are you really trying to achieve?
0: Just yeah, Scott, because our sport doesn't really often really address the strength training component, how much would you advise adding that into the game?
2: Yeah, I mean it's strength it's it's interesting, isn't it? So I, I only took up the sport of triathlon, uh I guess, in the last sort of 12 months. And I used to always bang on about, uh, you know, you have to do strength training, you have to... And it's it's hard to do it in season, isn't it? Especially, I've got that mentality from a rugby perspective where I'm trying to lift everything to like a PB or whatever. And I spoke to the guy who does my strength planning and he's like, just, you can calm it down a little bit. He said, it's really important to lift, get that load going through the bone. But in season, you know, just tailor it so you don't get too sore. Obviously, super low reps, good intensity, plenty of rest. You're not trying to build muscle in season. I think that's probably a mistake a lot of athletes make, where they're, they're probably doing too many reps, too many sets, short rest periods, and it negatively impacts, uh, you know, the swimming, the biking, the running, and then they sort of fall away from it. So a well structured strength program through a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, You know, we use two guys, Craig McFarlane, who's a fellow Kiwi, um, a great guy. He does a lot of work, uh, strength conditioning with a lot of our athletes and another guy, Matt Herring, who was with me at Toronto Maple Leafs and at the San Antonio Spurs and works with um, Olympic sort of age group and whatnot triathletes. But, you know, they're two guys who are extremely professional and extremely good at their job and The athletes who have used them they're like oh my god okay now i get what a strength conditioning program is Mm -hmm. because it's really well structured and it's just a last point on strength conditioning uh, or strength training with low bone mineral density it was once thought that once you were osteoporotic you couldn't really turn the bone around and get it back to being healthy bone and a really cool study and it's going to bypass the name of the study. They did it in Australia though, and they used elderly people. So they were all sixty-five plus or uh, sixty plus, and they got them deadlifting. They <clears throat> they got them squatting, uh, and they they quantified it with uh, DEXA scans, bone mineral density scans before and after, and they changed because they had sufficient intensity uh, in the lifting. And the stimulus was enough to actually turn the bone around. And it is possible. People like, you know, I've seen it with Rachel, with Danny Treese, with a few other pro athletes as well. We're seeing positive changes in the bone mineral density. So the structure of the bone can be reworked in a positive way if the stimulus, i.e. from weights training, from a nutritional perspective and obviously a training load is accounted for.
1: Nice. Love your works, guys. If you want to go check out uh, Scott and what he gets up to, uh, Fuel in so that's the word fuel and then i Um Scott, thanks so much for your time. There's lots of other topics I want to go with you on another day. You'll be back. But, uh, You'll be back. Was fantastic.
2: No, that was uh, really fun, guys. And, yeah, it's such a such an important aspect of what we're dealing with in the sport and. As you can tell i get a bit passionate about it but i think passion's good and i think the more we're just open about it and discuss it and for athletes just to own the space and just you know let's deal with it and and get it get it right because it's something that you know hopefully we can certainly reduce um and and get athletes you know just being a whole lot healthier yeah
0: awesome thanks for your time
2: cool thanks guys cool thanks now,
0: we've actually pre-recorded that. We're doing it after we've done this section, but we're sure it's pretty mind-blowing.
1: Bet it is.
2: Oh, mate.
0: So Fuel In. What's Fuel In, John?
1: Fuel In is an online platform. Scott will have told us all about it. Bevan? Yep. yep. okay.
0: There you go. If you want to check it out, Fuel In. So it's F-U-E-L-I-N.com. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, let's go to Wanger of the, w- the week. week.
1: Tell me about Jombo. Pick a number. Okay. I'm um, giving you some... Number four. Number, number three. Th- number three. Yeah. Bit of there's people just riding the bloody bikes. Um, no, that, that, yep, it is. Go again. Uh, I do. Yeah, go again. Go, go, mid, mid to low number. Oh, why, why, why Once why is the it? top always just ride their bikes. So the guy's first sixty-two hours on the bike. Seconds thirty-three hours of running. Mate, well,
0: what's around, stats? I'm
1: going to block them from the. Thank oh really family. wow yeah how to lose friends yeah exactly. blocked them from
0: my, from my Strava group okay I'm, yeah. gonna put, I'm gonna find one here I'm gonna find one uh, we'll go oh how about old number 12 tempo skipper
1: that's Joe skipper That's oh, a pro know. I know that's oh, right. it's not like what Joe's doing oh jeez you're up. I'm to going please. number 95 Tracy McGuire and she did 11 hours and 19 minutes of training, 2 hours 35 minutes of swimming, 4.52 on the bike, 3.51 on the bike. She's from the Grimsby Triathlon Club. So it's Grimsby's over in the UK, if unless I'm mistaken. Yep. Uh, 15 activities during the week, so it's pretty solid. And I'm just checking out her photo.
0: She looks like she's a part of the Grimsby Triathlon Club. There you go. She's, I don't know which one she is, but they all look pretty smiley, except for the guy in the middle. He didn't get the timing of the photo right. right. <laughs> you know that old chestnut? Yeah. Oh, lost, lost they've got a pier and a beach. There's a video here? Let me push play on the video. <laughs> oh, she's showing you how to wring your sock out. Wow, it's a very
1: <laughs> educational video there, Trace. Longest bike ride, 186.2 kilometres, biggest climb, 573 metres. You need to get over to Europe and do some, some big climbs. Uh, and the running stats these days, don't trust them. Um, because I must have really screwed up my stats somewhere. Because it's telling me I can do a marathon in forty minutes now. Well, I think you can. I so, believe in you, John. Yeah. Uh, so Tracy's done a little bit of uh, Zwifting so far this week, but generally a very consistent trainer. Put in some big miles sort of through May time, I imagine. Then she taped it off and did a did a race, but a regular Zwifter. Um, and she's from. She's running past the Grimsby Golf Club last week. Good very time. nice, Rock and Roll. Okay, Tracy. What's her last name? Tracy Mac- Maguire. Maguire. Well, she did a relay last week uh, It's some rowing venue. It's Tracy Maguire, you are our Wanger, Wanger of the week.
0: week. Okay, let's go into questions uh, and questions. answers. Okay, so good old uh, Roland Young sent through a video that uh, Sam Long has sent through. And did you watch the
1: video? I did. It was just a little uh, post race,
0: yeah. And so he was kind of talking about the race, but he was also talking about how it's actually not financially as good as you think the PTO is because he was kind of saying it's, you know, it's as a financial game.
1: He must be making the big bucks if he's not. Because I did a quick stats on this, and I'm not trying to bag Sam Long here. But, but this is what he said. He said, what he said. As
0: it, Was it really worth the time investment for the return he got? So he went and he has the, got a young kid, and I think he talked about that in the He play. went to
1: the PTO Asia Open, finished fifth place, had a good strong position, a good strong race. He did get um, nabbed there for uh, for. He was fourth he was looking like I was going to get fourth at one stage um so one of the a couple of points that he made and this was really interesting one was uh, no bonuses for PTO races I'm like more coverage in that, hopefully, the, the companies will as in see bonuses the from the sponsors. From sponsors. So, How you know, why? Um, well, it's because it's a new thing and they probably haven't really seen the value in it yet. Um, but I'm like, geez, he would have got more coverage from that than pretty much every other like we, we thing. Eyes
0: on Racing, PTO Racing, other than maybe the World Championships.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 one, but the contracts might have been drawn, you know, yeah. one or two years ago. Okay. And, he's, and So that was what he said. He said, I'm not getting any bonuses from being here. So he finished in fifth place, $14,000 uh, prize money. Um, US, when you think about that, you know, flying from America, I thought two grand, accommodation, maybe a grand, miscellaneous a grand, that's four grand. So you're sort of clearing maybe about 10K. Um, and then if you were to go and win a local race, you know, a smaller 70.3 or a medium size one, you might get 4K might double that in bonuses, maybe. I don't know how their bonus structure works, so yeah, it might possibly equate to a, a, a reasonable win back home, but um, don't think you'd be losing money. But it can I get it depends on what you define as losing money, um, and, and also,
0: bonus if you win a race, it looks better than getting fourth, even though mm. what well, do you get fifth, thirty. Really. Yeah. um, so even though fifth in a PTO race is much better than some crappy 7.3 somewhere. Mm-hmm. To the sponsors, you could say he's a a 70.3 winner. Mm -hmm. So it does have that external credibility.
1: And the other thing that... Sam maybe didn't factor in is these 70.3 races are going to give him um, better points and that's going to mean for PTO yep. it means he's going to have a higher ranking so at the end of the year his financial return from True. a higher ranking is going to be significantly higher so I, I think the main thing that came out of me is um, yeah, no bonuses was, was, was the big thing um, from, from sponsors but I'm sure that will change going forward because they are going to be the most watched uh, triathlon but,
0: like as much as you've kind of argued against him I um, if he's feeling it's not financially viable and, and mm. he's you know, he got fifth. Mm. If if that starts to be the trend that athletes are feeling, do we see these races not as strong as
1: still very early days. It's like way it's the money's so much better than any other any other race. Um so yeah. I definitely don't think so. I think we're going to see the strong fields and it sounds like they may, may increase the money a little bit next year um, but when you factor in the end of season bonuses and what they're saying for next year is they'll be assisting athletes to get to races and so on if you're a contracted athlete, I think it's going to be an absolute no-brainer um, and you would hope that sponsors will come on board as well. Because one of the things
0: which he he didn't acknowledge but like when some of the big races pay appearance fees like Road mm-hmm. we know
1: pays a lot of money in appearance fees. I think that that's few and far between I would imagine. Okay. <laughs> uh, might I might be wrong there and it might be different someone like Sam Long who's got a really good profile might be a little bit different but for most people I think. Because I mean, Man Germany
0: um, remember we watched that that guy who wrote to us a while ago talking mm. about the history of IMA journey, and they started paying mm. quite a bit for parents, but that you know that's for a niche audience of athletes. Um, okay, let's get you some set. Swim set, today
1: we went to the pool and we did 200, yeah, pool. 200 warm up, uh, 200 IMs and then 200 doing 50 kick, 50 drill and then the main set was doing a 400, a 300, a 200 and a 100, um, building the pace throughout so the 400 was slowest, the 100 was the fastest um, and we did that set twice through with the second set being pull, and we have 20 seconds rest between each interval. Then 100 metres backstroke, breaststroke and finished with 675s build up. So build up is like 25 moderate, 25 hard, 25 fast. Um, 15 seconds rest between each rep. And then 200 metres warm down, done and dusted. I think it was 3,250 metres. What's the hardest fit you find? Um, probably the toughest set I reckon is to what's called a test set, so it's 10 100s max effort on around about two minutes fifteen, so you're getting around about you know almost double time rest yep. um first couple are okay, but by the time you get to number eight nine ten it uh, pretty tricky. it's pretty pretty wobbly mm, pretty wobbly how much That's how much set. fade in time do you have uh the idea is you have none very minimal, so you kind of you've got to pace it a little bit so you're not quite going max effort on the first one yeah. you're going max sustainable effort, but it's pretty pretty close to max mm how often do you have to do that? Very rarely, <laughs> very very rarely. Yeah. Why not? Because uh, you just, know you you do, you
0: you do your f- a functional threshold.
1: Yeah, um, it's more. of It's going to take a lot out of you, and it's about weighing up the rest of your training load. And uh, yeah, we just. I've got to. Heat. I've got to please the crowd. I'm always having that way up of pleasing the crowd at the pool. Oh, I hate. Versus, versus, what do you
0: mean? Is it like trying to keep them happy? Yeah. Okay, great. You're the coach, yeah, yeah. mate. Stopping soft. <laughs> okay, let's say thank you to our patrons.
1: Um, no, we got to do our question first.
0: Oh, now it was it was somewhere other island, wasn't it? It was not Hamilton. It was. Um, I remember the race. I remember watching it. So if we think about the different, Trinza raced it, didn't he?
1: Uh, he raced the first one in Hamilton Island. Um, the then one? the venues we've got these days, we've got Toulouse, we've got Malibu, um, we've got London. Um, we've also had we had Malta at one stage. Um, we've had Singapore um, and we've got the Neon one, which is a bit random. Um, but the one that I think it is, is Guernsey because we went there for a few years. Uh, no, so so I'm, I'm going to go with that. So no, this is the, the, the next... Um,
0: okay you go with that. I can't actually remember the name of it, but if you say it I'll say if I got it
1: right or wrong oh, I've in my a, head you've got to find the answer first so uh. maybe just pause there for a second okay, I'll pause for a second and we are back and it turns out John Newsom is well they went, they went to a few different venues so I'm sort of right uh, 2017 was the first year they had it in Hamilton Island and then 2018 to 2019 they had Jersey was the next one they went to and then they went to Malta, Mallorca, and Singapore. So Mallorca was the one that I missed off there, but Jersey was the next one they went to. I thought they only did two venues the next year, so a bit of a dud question. Sorry about that. Anyway. Yeah, one job. Yeah, one job. <laughs> now I've got all these teams. I'm not I'm not buying in on the team sort of stuff really. know, what The commentators are. <laughs> uh, does, it, does
0: it actually matter for anything?
1: Uh, it matters for money. Yes, yeah, so it does matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there you go.
0: Okay, let's get so to our patrons because we've got a new patron, John. So we'll do our normal patrons. We've got Michael, call me Sir Turner. And then we've got Aaron, the tango man, Torelio. And then Colin Pollock, who's actually been talking to me a lot lately because he's given me a lot of good information about what's happening with that race last week. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about him. So he's from Kilkenny in Ireland, a member of the Kilkenny uh, Triathlon Club. I've been doing triathlon since 2006 and probably listened to the show since 2008. Which is about when we started it, wasn't it? No, we started about 2008. Six I Yeah think. yeah. Uh, so it's about time I became a patron In case you're curious I've finished nine Iron Distance races uh, 2008 Lanzarote 2009 Frankfurt uh, 2012 Kilmar 2013 Lanzarote Mallorca Wales uh, Kel- Hardman Calcani. mentioned
1: Hardman last weekend um, like It was on last week And he's on Ironman Island as well He's got his photo here
0: Looking happy at the Ironman Island um, Okay John Have you got a nickname? No have you? Well, he's been pretty informative. Right. But, we've, but we've got an informer, haven't we? We
1: have got an informer. Yeah. Um, the one that sprung to mind initially was when I saw the name Pollock. There used to be a very good South African cricket player, Sean Pollock. Yeah, Sean Pollock. And he was a good all rounder. He was an amazing all Because it could be Colin the All Rounder.
0: Okay, there we go. <laughs> Colin the all rounder Pollock. Colin the all rounder. No, I'm thinking of the other guy. Who was Pollock's redhead guy, wasn't he? Sorry? Was he Pollock the ging- ret-? Yeah. Yeah. He was a good athlete. Yeah. What happened to South African cricket?
1: Because they were all right, amazing man. for... Yeah, but there was a period where they were like the best. Rugby team are pretty shit.
2: God, they were us last <laughs> nice weekend, didn't they? Did you watch that game?
1: I, I depressingly watched uh, the first... Forty five minutes and then turned it off. Yeah, it was pretty miserable, wasn't it? Um, so
0: uh Colin the all-rounder Pollock, you're an absolute legend. Now he's become a patron recently, he's been listening to show forever and he said, I need to get round to it. So thank you first of all for becoming a patron. If you're a bit like Colin and you enjoy our show and you haven't got round to doing it, jump on, go to our website, go to support the boys or support the join the community, um, go through the process. And what you're doing is just basically supporting this show. And we really, really appreciate it for those who do do that by donating money their way. Uh, if you want to get some coaching, coachjohnnewston.com or also you can go to Epic Camp or any of his camps. Anything I do, bevandjamesisles.com and in any content, Age Group of the Week, cool websites, any other thing else, you can go to uh, podcast at gmail.com. John, Bo, we've got three minutes. We've
1: got yeah, less than three minutes. So uh, only two points today um, was... My son is way faster runner than me now, which is. Oh, uh, and he's got good.
0: so much progress to make.
1: 1535 5K wow, on the weekend. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, so that was pretty fast. What'd you do? Uh, in my day, don't even think No, I was what'd, you, fast. what'd you do? Oh, no, I didn't run. Oh, I okay. was cheering on the sidelines yep. like a good father that I am. That, that's actually good. Um, so, yeah, 1535, that's moving. And he's still got progress to make, is not he? Yep. He's still, and this is a, uh, someone said this is a really good backhand compliment, but he's got pretty shit techniques. So I was like, well, that's, that's but good. But are you working on it? Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to coach him. Um, but does <laughs> he want your support in that uh, way? There's a few arguments that happen. Yeah, so I've problem sort of, here. Yeah, yeah. try to stay out of it a bit. Uh, and the second thing, the person who overtook us this morning, if I ever find you, I'm punching you in the face. Oh, really? To pull a little time, he's driving a stick shift home. Yep. We make a right-hand turn. He did, misses putting it into gear. So I was <laughs> 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 Car's up his ass. And then with the street we go down. To Do have there, the lunar sticker on? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, and then we've got like about 50 metres before we make another right-hand turn. So for a couple of seconds, car backed up. Bugger off. And then this cock overtakes us. This is just like on a residential street and we're about to turn right and he goes zipping past. Uh, I'm like, you are a tool. Yeah, tool. I have my phone. I would have snapped that number plate and I would have searched him down. Yeah,
0: would would hunt him down. No, yeah. like, like Liam Neeson and taken.
1: Yeah, exactly. There we go. Right, Bevan, you got about 10 seconds. Yeah.
0: I don't, uh, Did you go to the league? No, I couldn't, no, I couldn't change my flights in the end. Mm. So I was a bit gutted about that. But I had a really awesome weekend. Do you know one thing I really loved about last weekend? I went to Auckland for work. And I've worked in my industry for 25 years, but you, I don't travel so much nowadays. And you've built these relationships with people, people like you in Triton, when you go to some mm. of the camps or stuff. Mm. You haven't seen these people in such a long time, but you've had these really awesome connections with them. And I, I had a really good work weekend, but also I just had some really nice catch-ups with some good friends right. who, who I may never see again, you know, mm. or I may see another 20 years. Yeah. But life's a bit nice like that when you have those really nice totally. relationships. So it was quite a good weekend for me. Anyway, John, we're going to wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train
1: hard. Train smart.